Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Sooners Extra, the Oklahoma Sooners podcast powered by the Oklahoma. And the Sooners Extra podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's. Cure your craving. Stop in today or visit Zaxby's.com. I'm Ryan Aber from the Oklahoma and joined today by uh, fellow OUB writer Joe Masato and columnist Jenny Carlson. And uh, uh, Joe and Jenny, let's jump right into it. Oklahoma's Media Day uh, comes around Friday, a little bit different this year. Last year we had it on a Sunday uh, moving off the Saturday uh, tradition, but uh, before the fan day starts, which is when everybody gets to get their autographs and, and meet the players, we'll get a chance to sit down and talk with them on their reporting day. Joe, who is the biggest uh, or what's the biggest uh, question mark do you have entering media day and maybe who are you most looking forward to talking to? Well, I'll, I'll answer the second one first because I think it's the easiest. I'm just going to say Jalen Hurts. Uh, <laughs> Joe gets the easy part in this uh, segment, the first one to. Uh, I was really the hoping question. I'd be called on first for that to to get that out there. Well, you have no choice right now because we only have two mics, and so Jenny gets left out. <laughs> yeah, so Jalen Hurts. I mean, we. I don't think any of us really expected him to be at Big 12 Media Days just because Lincoln Riley has yet to officially name him as the starting quarterback. Uh, but OU Media Day will um, give us, I guess, the second time we've officially talked to him. Yeah, I, I mean, think. we got to. I think we got to talk to him a couple times yeah. in the spring, but the the second yeah, that's really right. formal time where everybody sort of gathers around him. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, Mr. Hertz has to say. Yeah, definitely, and and I think. I think we're going to get to this in a little bit, but biggest question is who's going to be around Hertz, most specifically in front of him as far as the offensive linemen go. Um, and I, I think it'll be, you know, we, we don't know exactly who we're going to be talking to at Media Day, so that's another thing to look forward to because it's going to be you know, like, well, we're, we're going to be excited to talk to whoever's <laughs> there, I guess. Yeah, there you go. And what about you, Jenny? If uh, you, The easy answer has been taken I away know. from you. Thanks. Although Jim. I will say there's a second obvious easy answer, I, I believe. Uh, I don't know about I don't know obvious. Frankly, after uh, spending a decent amount of time uh, lobbing questions at him and hearing answers at Big 12 Media Day, I look forward to any chance I get to talk to C.D. Lamb from here on out. Um, we'll see if C.D.'s there. Sometimes they don't bring those guys. That's but true. I think C.D. Lamb at this point is at the level they'll probably uh, bring him to this as well. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, yeah, I, so, sure, I mean, I think any chance you get to, to talk to, I mean, the guy that I think is the most dynamic playmaker they have uh, on the, on that team, and that's saying a lot because they've got a lot of very talented guys, but obviously, uh, you know, a, a chance to talk to him about what he's seen out of that young group of receivers that he's going to play alongside, how they've developed it over the summer, um, continue to have that conversation, and just he's got good insights. The question I have most, and this is something we were talking about earlier today uh, at our staff meeting, was um, the number of returning starters on Oklahoma's defense. And when we get to opening day, 
How many of those guys are starting on opening day? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's nine. They return everybody back on that defense outside of linebacker Curtis Bolton, defensive lineman Amani Bledsoe. Uh, but there's a lot of spots where you can see uh, certainly some movement there here, uh, here in the next month or so. Yeah, and so I think where, you know, we won't know that until obviously – uh, the, that Houston game on September 1st. But um, I think it will be interesting to see um, what guys uh, hold those spots, if they move around at all, um, you know, who fills in the gaps, what guys might um, take over some of those spots. So that's that's a curiosity to me. And, and I don't get the feeling like Alex Grinch is all that interested in, you know, saying well you know I played this spot last year so I got to be out there I think he's gonna I think he's gonna figure out a way to get his best options out there on the field and I'm really curious to see what that looks like once uh once that opener rolls around yeah no doubt about it we'll talk about some other depth chart things in in our second and third segments uh today but for me the person I'm most looking forward to talking to is not a player it's Alex Grinch what he has to say about how this summer went from his perspective. Uh, you know, Not that they get a ton of on-field work with those guys during the summer, but you get enough now where you can get a little bit better sense of how a summer went as a coach than, uh, than before. So looking forward to he- see- hearing what he has to say about the development of his defense. And, and Jenny, we talked about this at the meeting uh, this morning too, is uh, the way Alex Grant sort of – uh, you know, wasn't exactly effusive in his praise of this defense in the spring, talking about uh, the, the number of playmakers back there, the the depth in the secondary, and how sort of shocking that was. And that sort of, uh, I don't want to say it's concerning. I think it's stuff that everybody f- that follows OU football understood. But at the same time, to hear him tell it, and especially given how fact fast he turned around defenses especially you know that Washington State defense then uh, you know you wonder if he's just trying to motivate those guys by by that talk or if he's setting himself up say hey you know we're going to be better but maybe temper the expectations on how much better yeah it it wasn't uh, uh, last year at Big 12 Media Day Tom Herman was asked about how many playmakers he had and had the longest most awkward pause in the history of long awkward pauses it wasn't Alex Grinch didn't go that far it wasn't as uncomfortable as that and yet there was definitely a um, there was definitely a, a, you know seeming honesty from Alex Grinch about the shortfalls of the defense but as you said Ryan and we've talked about this in a variety of places in a variety of ways he's taken guys that my assumption is they're not as gifted athletically. They're not as deep on the roster at Washington State, and he turned them around to be a um, a defense that Washington State could win uh, more games with. And I think that's the expectation that's out there is that surely, um, you know, again, I don't know if anybody, even people that bleed crimson and cream, think that, you know, the days of – Tony Casillas and the boss are returning like, you know, by October 1st or something like that. But if they could see something that looks a little bit closer to, you know, what has been expected over the last two decades, I think there would be, you know, rejoicing in the street about that. So um, 
we'll see uh, what he has to say about, you know, uh, what that was all about in the spring, but also um, what does it all mean for the fall? And, Jenny, let's actually keep the mic, if you don't mind, because sure. I want to ask you got about it. something that Joe got a chance to talk about earlier, and that's Jalen Hurts. Right. Uh, what are your most pressing questions for, for Jalen here entering uh, a, another chance to chat with him? Well, you know, I think it's interesting, his uh, shortened uh, window of time with Lincoln Riley in this offense. You know, obviously a lot's been made about another transfer quarterback and and all that, uh, you know, the Riley and the Sooners have done with Baker Mayfield and with Kyler Murray. But those guys were in the system a lot longer than Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is working on a very abbreviated schedule um, compared to what those two had. So how quickly can he how quickly can he absorb? How quickly can he uh, elevate the parts of his game that maybe um, weren't quite what uh, what we've seen the last two years. Now I know that's a high bar, and I'm not <laughs> I'm not here to say like. Of course, I, I always bring this up. We've said the same thing exactly. the last couple times. How can they be think, that good? How? I think I wrote in the paper at one point uh, in 2014. Baker Mayfield is not going to win the Heisman, but <laughs> of, of course. Well. So. Wound yeah. up looking absurd by you know six months later well, when you realize this guy still has what the time two more years of eligibility right. wound up having a third but right yeah I mean and, and so you, you you just I guess you don't want to set a limit but you figure on a shortened window I'm curious to hear how has that been like what maybe and and also as he talks about it you know how have they tinkered and tailored that off-season program to try to maximize his time and his efforts and what he's doing. Um, I'm curious to hear more about that and how he how he sees that as being different than than what he's done in the past and and just how they're trying to, to accomplish that to really make uh, this decision he made to come to Oklahoma pay off not only for him but for for them as a team. Yeah, so it'll be uh, all kinds of fascinating storylines to follow on uh, Friday as Oklahoma has its uh, media day for us, uh, meet the Sooners day for the fans. Uh, if you're listening to this before and you're planning on going out there, remember uh, they only sign autographs for the kids, so you've got to have, what is it, uh, one 14, 14-year-old 14 or younger to uh, get autographs and only on one item. So um, it'll be interesting to see how many people show up there on a, uh, on a Friday uh, early afternoon. But we're going to take a break now. Uh, I'm your host, Ryan Aber, alongside Jenny Carlson and Joe Masato. And this is the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. We'll be right back. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast, brought to you by Zaxby's. Cure your craving, stop in today or visit zaxby's.com. 
Ryan Aber back here with Joe Masato and Jenny Carlson. And this segment is going to be all about the offensive line. And, uh, Joe, let's start with you uh, once again. Maybe you get a chance to say a couple words this time uh, <laughs> after the, the intro. But, uh, you know, I started asking people for the mailbag segment, which is going to be our third segment. Uh, you know, what do you want to know about OU football? What do you want us to talk about? And about three-quarters of the questions were not about the defense, which is actually what I expected, but about the offensive line. So we're just going to make that our uh, second segment. Joe, we know Creed Humphrey's going to be there in the middle, uh, but who's going to be around him? Who Maybe if you had to look at the, the offensive linemen that we've got uh, listed on the Oklahoma's roster right now, who maybe winds up being the second-best offensive lineman uh, of this group? Yeah, so Lincoln Riley gave us a little bit of a hint after the spring game. Um, you know, obviously that was a couple months ago, so things could obviously change before the start of the season. But he said at the time it was the first two the, – the first team guards were on the white team, first team tackles were on the red team. So looking back – uh, Creed Humphrey didn't play in the spring because of an injury, but we know, like you said, he's penciled in as a starter. Uh, but that would mean at left tackle it would be Eric Swinson, left guard Marquise Hayes, right guard Tyrese Robinson, and right tackle Adrian Ely. So I think that's probably the safest thing to assume right now. Um, you know, a couple of those guys we've – uh, sort of heard a lot about like Adrian Ely, I think um, is a he's on a lot of these breakout lists that come out this time of year, um, but I think it's up for grabs. I mean, I think other than Humphrey, none of those jobs, even though Riley said those guys might be the starters as of now, I don't think either any of them are set in stone. Yeah, that'll be really interesting to watch. I think one name that uh, we haven't talked about really much at all mainly because he wasn't around in the spring, so we didn't get a chance to, to chat with him, is uh, R.J. Proctor, the, the transfer from Virginia. Played a little bit there. I think what last year was in played in 11 of their 13 games, started six games at left guard. Uh, uh, Jenny, uh, haven't, like I said, I haven't talked about him a lot, but uh, how important is he, do you feel like, for the makeup of this line as a, a, a short-term graduate transfer guy who's got a chance to uh, add some experience to a really inexperienced group. Well, yeah, and when you look at um, you know some of those names that Joe threw out that that Riley mentioned in the spring, you're talking about redshirt sophomores uh, a lot in, in large part. Um, and while we know that that can you know still mean a lot of uh, of experience in this instance, you're talking about a pretty inexperienced group. So. Still fairly young. You're not talking about fourth and fifth year guys. You're talking about third year guys for the most part. So to have a guy that is physically, uh, you know, a couple years older and Proctor, and then to add on playing experience, to me, that is, um, you know, that's got to be regardless of does he crack the 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 roster the starting uh you know five does he um have a spot uh in the opener we'll see but you gotta think at least from a um from a you know bringing these guys along and sort of uh, adding that veteran presence it, it helps to at least take some of the stress off of creed humphrey i would think because you know here's a guy that you know, seems like he can handle a lot. He handled a lot last year. Um, 
smart guy, talented guy, but at that center position, a lot on you. And then to ask, okay, we're not only going to have you fill that role, we're going to give you four new guys to play with, and oh, by the way, you've got to mentor them and lead them and do it all. Yeah. So and you've got I, to develop a new chemistry with a quarterback. Yeah. Can't be discounted as well. Yeah. So, I mean, all of those things, I, I you know, it seems like to me Creed Humphrey is probably a guy that is still going to have his hand in all those things. I, I, it seems like he's that type of guy. So I don't think he's going to uh, necessarily you know, slough anything off on anybody else. But to have a guy that just inherently comes in and has a presence about him, having done this before, I think that's pretty significant for for them. But maybe as much as anything, it's significant for Creed Humphrey that he can – Maybe have a minute to actually think about the job he has to do and not the 17 <laughs> other things on his plate. Yeah, to, to me, that's going to be, Joe, one of the biggest things to watch in that Houston game. Yes, Houston and Barry Trammell and I talked about this a couple weeks ago when we did a podcast about OU's schedule. Yes, Houston doesn't have you know an Ed Oliver type. But at the same time, uh, in that environment, a season opener – uh, where you've got four new offensive line starters. Creed Humphrey, I think, is going to be tested in a big way right out of the gate, and how he reacts to that I think is going to go a long way towards setting the tone for things up front. Not that they're not going to be better you know, a month into the season you know, when they play Texas versus when they play Houston, but I think that that's going to be sort of a tone-setting game for the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to imagine, you know, Obviously, the offense is probably going to be good, but it's hard to imagine things going perfectly smoothly that that first game against Houston, no matter who is lining up on that defensive front, even without Ed Oliver. I mean, you've you mentioned it. You've got Creed Humphrey not only worried about the guys to the left and right of him, but the guy behind him who he's you know playing in a game with for the first time. And I think you know we've we've heard over and over that he's you know a smart guy. He's a leader on that front. He's he's kind of like the the Bill Biedenboe out there on the field. He's got to play a mentor role, and he's got to be their best player. Yeah, so that'll be uh, something to watch. For me, uh, you know, a guy that we haven't talked about much at this point, but I think is a guy that uh, is really worth keeping an eye on is Tyrese Robinson. Uh, there at guard, he was a guy who was, you know, pretty highly thought of there. Uh, coming out of uh, McKinney Boyd, a, you know, a really good football program down there in the Dallas area. He played a little bit the last couple of years, or played six games uh, last year after redshirting in 2017. But uh, I think he's a guy who could be primed for a breakout and to be uh, maybe that, that second player behind Creed Humphrey as being a big presence up front. Yeah. Other guys I think you know have interesting stories. Michael Thompson, who's kind of switched back and forth between offensive and defensive line, and now he's settled back on offensive line. Bray Walker, uh, you know, local product from from more from more um, guys like that. Uh, Bryce Roberts, who is someone we haven't talked a lot about, but he's got a really interesting story. He's from UConn, went to New Mexico State. Uh, it was tra- a tight end for them for the last couple of years, and then yeah. all of a sudden winds up as an offensive lineman here uh, in Norman at six four, three hundred nineteen yeah. pounds. He must have put on some weight from his tight end <laughs> days, but um. I mean, that's a guy that I, I think we'll be writing about fairly early on, j- even if he doesn't play, but just to sort of hear his story. Yeah, there's a couple fascinating guys uh, on this roster that maybe go beyond just their contributions on the field, and certainly Bryce Roberts I- is one of them. So another player that I'm interested to see, and he's a freshman probably 
not going to play this year. I think he's one of those sort of break-in-case-of-emergency type guys. But uh, is EJ and Doma Ogar, the, the big offensive lineman from Allen, Obviously, we know what Allen has given to Oklahoma yeah. the last few years between Kyler Murray and uh, Lee Morris, you know, Lee Morris yep. some of the Bobby, Bobby Evans, Evans yep. uh, some of the other players that they brought through. So uh, I think EJ and Doma Ogar, when it's all said and done, could wind up being the backup center. Uh, you know, Obviously, they want Creed Humphrey to be healthy, but if something were to happen, how quickly would Ndoma Ogar uh, be ready to go? Yeah, and it's it'll be interesting to see uh, with – the number of offensive linemen they have on the roster with a guy like that, if you don't try to use those four games that you don't need to redshirt a, a guy, um, or you can keep the redshirt. Sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not in, I'm not in my right football mind just yet. <laughs> um, but you know, a guy like that, that, you know, if he is potentially playing that center position and like you said, Ryan, best case scenario, Creed Humphrey is your guy. You don't back off that, but you never know, and to think that you might have to potentially get a guy ready for that spot having not played a single snap uh, in, a, in a real live game to that point, you got to think there if there's a chance, and I know it would probably be mop-up duty time if they got him in, but I still think that's one of those types of situations where, boy, that experience could be valuable if they would happen to need him uh, down the line. And, you know, if the glass had to be broken, you'd want to have uh, have some experience in his pocket. I think that'd be really interesting. Something that um, I'm curious to see, and, you know, it kind of depends on how this all shakes out, but, you know, obviously offensive linemen are big by nature. We all know that. But uh, if they potentially play that lineup that, they came out of spring talking about I think they'd all be six five and up except for one guy and that's a that a couple six sixers on the line you know and and that's you know could potentially could you see a um a guy like Daryl Simpson at six seven uh what's uh Bray Walker six six as well I mean they've just got um they've got some real height in that offensive line so it's gonna be really curious to see what does that look like? Um, and, I, you know, if nothing else, and I know we're not talking about the defensive line right now, but it's really interesting to think about, you know, the the, the track record that Bill Beanbow has developed with his offensive line and getting these different groups ready to go, how that defensive line is really trying to find some footing and develop themselves, you know, a chance to – sort of get two groups coming up together and maybe really playing off each other as they try to figure out, you know, who gets the playing time, who gets the starts, all that sort of stuff. It's going to be fascinating to see how, to, how does that play off each other as this team moves forward. All right, we're going to go to uh, our last break. We're going to come back with uh, the mailbag where we'll answer some of your questions. Uh, don't forget to shoot us a review at the Apple Store or in the Google Podcast app. We really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in each week. This is the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Welcome back to the Sooners Extra podcast powered by the Oklahoman and presented by Zaxby's. I'm Ryan Aber, joined by Joe Masato and Jenny Carlson. And, and Jenny, let's start with you for the mailbag uh, segment. We got some questions here out on Twitter, and, and this is an interesting one uh, about the offense. Uh, do you see Jalen Hurts keeping it more on the options on, on the, the RPO plays than uh, Baker and Kyler did uh, over the last couple of years? Yeah, you know, I think it, probably the easy answer is yes, because of what we've seen out of Jalen Hurts in the past, uh, a powerful guy, uh, you know, not afraid to take the contact. Um, you know, Baker wasn't. Uh, he, he took hits as he got later in his career. I think they said, you know what, that maybe isn't the best idea. Why don't you slide? Especially that second year. The yeah. third year he went back to running a little bit more, but that second year when they only had Austin Kendall – and they had no experience at scholarship quarterback. They really, really protected him from that. And we all know Murray obviously ran, but but you know wasn't looking for the contact. So uh, the easy answer is to say that's probably where he he finds some comfort um, and where he might be inclined to go. But as we talked earlier uh, in the show, we don't know how he has how he's morphed where you know he's improved how he sees those things now maybe he looks at a play in the past and instead of seeing this is my time to take off maybe he now sees it as you know where's that next guy where's that next progression um how can i how can i get this out of my hands and into somebody else's so while you would think that would be the way it would be joe i i don't know i think i think that's going to be a really interesting thing to see yeah, I think one of the most interesting things, and you touched on, is like how has he morphed? Like how different is he than the quarterback we saw at Alabama? And is it more of him trying to fit Lincoln Riley's system and what happened with Baker Mayfield and, and Kyler Murray, even though he may not be that same talent level? Or is it Lincoln Riley realizing maybe he does have some passing limitations and he does keep it more on read option type plays and he is kind of more of that physical quarterback that we haven't really seen? I mean, Kyler ran it often, but I think few of them were actually designed runs for him, and even fewer did he actually get hit. I mean, he was marvelous yeah, I mean, at avoiding contact. Yeah, there's no way anybody can <laughs> avoid contact the way that Kyler Murray did. And yes, his baseball background helped with the slides and stuff like that, but the slides that he was doing on the football field weren't baseball slides. It was just this instinctive, and it's probably the most exciting thing about his game is the the – instinctive nature that he was able to use to avoid the, that big contact. I mean, we only saw really a couple times where he took contact where you even sort of winced a little bit. So uh, that's going to be something interesting with just Hertz is a different kind of build than either of those other two guys. And I think he's sort of made to take a little bit more uh, violent hits than maybe Baker and Kyler were. And uh, I think that's a part of his game, the power of it. So that's going to be really interesting to watch how much Jalen Hurts is going to be able to run given his history and uh, you know, given what Oklahoma likes to do on offense. So uh, good question there from, from Scott. Got another one from uh, our good friend J.D. Davis who uh, we interact with, or at least I interact with on Twitter quite a bit. Not sure about the two of you, but uh, – says, from what do you know, what you've seen, what do you think OU's yards per play will be compared to the last two seasons? Uh, Joe? Jeez, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I mean, I'll just continue our theme in that 
I can't imagine it's going to be. I mean, last year was historic levels. Um, I think yards per play. Um, yeah, are, are I you mean, it's just been up the number? I mean, I, I I think the easy answer is probably it's going to be less than whatever it was last year, but we'll have these numbers pulled up, I'm sure. Yeah, I think, uh, and we'll let Jenny uh, speak to this too, but I think it's going to be less. I mean, I think it has to be less. Of course, I've said that each of the last three years, and it just keeps going up and up and up and up that uh, they're able to do that. But you would think with the offensive line transition that they're in right now, with the quarterback transition that they're in right now, they've got some really good pieces that, you know, we haven't talked about running back this podcast. I think they feel really good about uh, Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks there. Uh, They've got obviously some really big time wide receivers and CD lamb. I think uh, Jenny, we mentioned it on the podcast earlier this week that Lee Morris might be the most overlooked player on this offense, Grant Calcaterra. So there, there's weapons around, and they're going. I think that uh, yards per play number is still going to be one of the best in the country. I'm just not sure it's going to be an historically great number uh, yet again. Isn't isn't uh, isn't this sort of the uh, opposite of what we say about the defense that it can't be yeah. as bad? I mean, and that's. I, uh, to say that they they would take a a dip on offense is it's it's not a knock on these guys it's a recognition of what you lost you lost Kyler Murray you lost Marquise Brown you lost four offensive linemen that were drafted you lost right there is six great players and to think that you could pick it back up and break more records to me that's not a knock on the current guys it's it's saying that you're not fully (laughs) fully conscious of the talent you lost so to me it has to be a dip there and I'm not saying like a valley I'm just saying it's not to me it has to step back a little bit because it was so amazingly good a year ago and I think it's going to be interesting to see um again our question of where's Jalen Hurts now compared to what we saw to him before we don't know the answer to that yet but if he's more if he's closer to what he was as a passer at Alabama than what we've seen out of the last two Oklahoma quarterbacks. I could see a lot more of, you know, the the dump offs. I could see a lot more of the the, you know, uh stuff to Calcaterra, stuff to Lee Morris. Um, you know, almost using the the short passing game uh as your running game in some ways. Not saying that they don't hand the ball off because they've got talented running backs, but I think that could be uh instead of maybe those those cross country passes that um Oklahoma's become so known for they become more um you know sort of death by a thousand paper cuts so i, I don't know I, I i still think you're going to see a dynamic offense that is really hard to defend they've got way too many playmakers to to think otherwise um but it, it just seems like it it could potentially look different it might not be exactly what we've what we've seen out of Oklahoma in recent years and um and but I still think it 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 has a chance to be really really good yeah I'm gonna go uh I'll I'll just put some numbers to this because I'm looking at the last uh, five seasons and we're talking about the year before uh Lincoln Riley and Baker Mayfield's arrival on the field uh and the, the four years of of Riley with Mayfield and and then Riley with Kyler last year 
You go from 6.4 was a pretty respectable number uh, the year before Riley's arrival. Jumps up to 6.8, 7.5, 8.3, They're not going to keep that growth up. Uh, I mean, it's just impossible that it that it keeps going. Although, you know, we keep saying that about Lincoln Riley related things. I think somewhere in the neighborhood of seven yards per for play if they're if they're above that 6.8 number that they put together that first year baker mayfield they feel really good about themselves obviously they need the off the defense to make up a little bit of that but uh it's going to be a really potent offense i just don't think it's going to be an historically potent offense like we've seen yeah if so i'm I'm just looking at the yards per play numbers last year if they averaged seven this year that would still have been a top 10 offense a year ago (laughs) i mean they were eight points 8.6, 8.7, 8.6, 8.7, what you said last year, that was yeah. almost a full yard better than Alabama, who was number two. Um, and there was eight teams in that seven range. So even seven is a top ten offense. Well, and weren't people pretty excited about the first year Baker Mayfield? I mean, wasn't that season pretty decent for Oklahoma? And yeah, it worked fans, out all right for him. I mean, they fans had... seemed to enjoy themselves that year. So, I mean, if, that's, if we're saying that is the dip <laughs> – is yeah. that is that so bad? I, I just I don't I guess I don't think that that's a that's a terrible thing. No, and it shouldn't be. I think it just once again speaks to how great this offense has been over the last few years. That uh, you know OU fans and to some extent us in the media we sort of get spoiled by it. You see this so often that it becomes sort of routine, and it is anything but routine. Uh, I mean, you know, I think a lot of times. Big 12 or OU fans especially have this sense of Big 12 football and uh, what it's like that it's still sort of the Wild West. And the fact is, outside of Oklahoma, Oklahoma's offense and the teams that Oklahoma's played on the defensive side, it really hasn't been the last couple of years. It hasn't been this big time shootout conference. It's just OU hasn't strayed away from that style of play that we saw just uh, a few years ago when. The Big 12 was the Wild West. Yeah. Just one one more number as far as, like, back to the original question. Like, an easy way to look at it as far as yards per play is you're taking away their biggest uh, chunk play duo with Kyler Murray to Marquise Brown. Both of those guys are gone. So it would be hard to your, – your new one would be Jalen Hurts to C.D. Lamb, I think. But it's hard to replace those two. Yeah, I think it's going to be really difficult. Let's go. Let's uh, – Fire out of here on one quick question. Uh, we've got a lot of questions about the depth chart. It's going to be really hard for us to go through the entire thing, although we will here between now and the start of the season. But let's start off outside of offensive line with one of the, the parts that has been the, the most pressing. Uh, Joe, the secondary. What, uh, who do you see being the week one starters on the back end of uh, Oklahoma's defense? Geez, that's tough. I mean, you look at corners and you think you've got the two Trey's and Trey Norwood and Trey Brown and then Parnell Motley. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess let's just narrow this down a little bit. Where does Trey Norwood start the season playing? I, I Like position-wise? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you, you've got, I would think, corner, but I'm not sure because you've got those other two guys I mentioned and and you know you've got that nickel spot and then safety while we haven't seen the production there I was just looking at the 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 roster earlier and I thought of five guys who are probably going to play big time minutes and that's Robert Barnes, Justin Broyles, Patrick Fields, Chance Sylvie and Delarian Turner Yell. So 
I think finding spots for all these guys is, is going to be tough as far as like who's going to slide in where week one. I, gosh, I don't know, and I, I don't know if the, <laughs> I don't know if the staff knows right now. Yeah, I I'm going to say uh, Trey Norwood winds up primarily playing nickel early. I I think that uh, Parnell Motley and Trey Brown would be the two guys. I would say their uh, their corner safety is going to be really interesting to see who fits into all those spots. I think there's a good chance that Patrick Fields plays a pretty significant role there. But uh, the the one I'm really looking forward to seeing is the growth out of Delarian Turner Yell. Came on at the end of last year. I thought he showed some signs that uh, that maybe he's got a chance to be a big-time player on that back end. Yeah, there were definitely some guys that, that sort of made you sort of excited to see where they are in the fall from the spring game. Um, a guy that I'm fascinated by just because of – where he was in the conversation a year ago and where he is now, and that's Brendan Radley-Hiles. I mean, a year ago, I think, it, I don't know, I don't want to speak for you guys, but I thought, man, this guy, he's going to be hes going to be out there. He's going to play a bunch. We're going to be, you know, talking about him for years to come. And obviously that isn't where we are now. Um, he doesn't look like a guy that, I mean, not to say he's not going to get out there. You can't play defense in the Big 12 without a lot of bodies. So you've got to have, you know, you got to have capable backups. So I'm not saying that. But, you know, as a guy, and this, was, this is something we've talked about, you know, again, one of those repeating themes. The thing that I just can't get out of my head is the fact that he is representative in my mind of these guys that, this Oklahoma defense has that lots of other programs wanted. And so if they've got players that other top programs were after, were, you know, recruiting hard, how can they not, how, how can they have struggled so much? How can they, uh, why can't, why can't there be a big turnaround? I mean, to me, if there's, if there, if nobody else wanted these guys, you might think, oh, they just missed in recruiting. But they can't miss on every single <laughs> one of them. They can't all be misses, and it just so happened they all ended up at Oklahoma, and that's the problem. To me, the, he is the guy that, in my mind, most represents my, the head-scratching that goes on <laughs> with me and this defense. You know, these these guys that, you know, have, have the stars in the recruiting, they have, you know, offers from, you know, every major program and yet you see the struggles so how do you how do you how do you square that and that's that's sort of to me just a curiosity like what potentially could come not only of him but of this defense all of that sort of wrapped in so I didn't answer the question of who I think will start on opening day <laughs> I don't think he's probably in that mix right now from what we've seen but I think they've got some exciting guys there. I'm curious to see where Justin Broyles can go. Um, can he crack the starting lineup? Um, you know, Parnell Motley, to me, is a for sure. The Trays are for sure. And, you know, after that, I I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, and I, I think you're what you said, Ryan, I don't know if the coaches know at this point. Yeah, so that'll be interesting to follow. But uh, that's all the time we've got for today. We're going to be back uh, next week with two more podcasts. That's our schedule. 
uh, two podcasts weekly for you. And then once uh, the season starts, we'll get a third and when we uh, talk about our postgame podcast. But thanks so much for listening to the Sooners Extra podcast from the Oklahoman. Uh, Please, you can if you want to reach out to us, Twitter's the best way to do it. You can find me on Twitter at R-Y-A-B-E-R. You can find uh, Joe on Twitter at Joe underscore Masato, M-U-S-S-A-T-T-O. I did spell that correctly, correct? And uh, Jenny, also with the underscore in her name, at Jenny Carlson underscore OK. You can reach out to us. We'll do a mailbag every week. So if you have questions, uh, ask them there, and we'll uh, fire away middle of the week but the Sooners Extra podcast is presented each week by Zaxby's cure your craving stop in today or visit zaxby's.com thank you so much for joining us we'll be back next week